This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. We are searchlights we can see in the dark. This week's spotlight, we're going to be talking about a couple different things. We are rockets pointed up at the stars. I'm looking forward to this discussion. We are billions of beautiful hearts. Hi, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen. Today, we've got another spotlight episode. And hopefully you're checking this out and you heard our new intro, which I'm really excited about. It's a pink song that I heard on the radio and I originally thought that it had the lyrics of Spotlight and I was like, oh my God, this is so perfect. But then it turns out she was actually saying Searchlight. But what I love is the lyrics are, you know, we are searchlights shining through the darkness, basically. And that's really how I feel a lot about where this podcast is driving me and what I want to do and what I think we want to do together is being able to shine that spotlight into the dark places and help people see things differently. And your idea, Jennifer, about both spotlighting and searchlighting something is that we're really guiding others and ourselves too in this process of conversation about this tough area of sexuality. And this year has really been a year to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out our timing has been spot on. And so we're really excited that you as your as the listener is here with us. And we've got a really interesting topic that's coming up. You know, we you and I, Lynn, had talked about how we really could have done this last week because Thanksgiving is coming up and just the holiday season in general. And I think for a lot of people, it can be a very joyful time with some of my clients that are coming from some more challenging or dysfunctional families. I think it's a very tough time for them because they they have the joys of the season, but they also have these struggles that sometimes they feel they can't talk to other people about. So just wanting to highlight kind of how to get through some of these tough family situations. And we both really learned from our clients. The holidays are are often very challenging for people, and there are uh, kind of strategies, I think, for approaching them. Not that it works always, because I think they can be painful for people. They can be really sad for people. A lot of grief comes up around the holidays, and and they also are, as this holiday, Thanksgiving, are times to be thankful and to be joyful. And uh, this is uh, my second year with a grandchild, and so I am very thankful and very, very grateful for this experience. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much that comes up. What I'm noticing within me personally is that working with my clients, I find this is typically a very stressful time, and I am feeling a little under the weather and sick today. And I just started tracking, like, I think some of it is related to the work. There's a lot of family stuff that comes up. There's a lot of preparation for going back with the family. I think last year we brought up some of the roles that come up and that a lot of women feel a lot of the burden of Thanksgiving. 
And so there's a lot of that that's being processed through through our clients. And, and so I think this is another venue where we can share some of the things that we talk about and some of those strategies. Well, this year, you know, I think women have always felt that they have the emotional management of the holidays and uh, the emotional work we've been talking about that women are doing is really quite conspicuous around the time of the holidays. But this year, a lot of patients and clients are sharing um, their concerns that sexual harassment and abuse issues are going to interface really with the holidays. And uh, I think maybe to start, there's been so much in the media the last month about this particular topic and really talk about uh, how families could handle uh, and individuals within families, because families always don't agree to handle this topic very well, but really what to do with this subject when it comes up. And what if your family has individuals who've abused in the family setting, because I have a number of clients who are concerned about this, they don't want to go home. You know, they're thinking this is the year to make their stand and not go home. Really how to handle these issues in in many different ways, because there's many strategies. I think so. And I think a big part that I'm noticing is, you know, the cliche is you go home to your family, don't talk about politics, don't talk about, you know, sex, don't Don't talk talk about about religion. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and, and at the same time, so much of it is going on that it just does come up. And so I think before it really played into that narrative of staying quiet. And I think we're in a time where it's going to be really hard for people to stay quiet. And in a way that can be really positive when you're with people who are open-minded and willing to have a conversation. But when you have people who are more rigid and not open and maybe just very aggressive with you, then it can lead to a lot of different feelings and a lot of high emotions, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of sadness and disappointment. And so I think my biggest thing with my clients is let's talk about this before you're there. Let's come up with a plan. And that's the biggest thing. I think it can sound kind of terrible to some people, but really having a clear exit strategy for yourself is really important because it gives you a sense of agency instead of feeling like you're trapped in a situation. So whether you have to you know, go to another room for a moment to just kind of collect yourself or, you know, take a pause in some way. I think having a sense of agency is really important for when you are in these situations. I worked uh, with one family about a week ago on this particular subject, and they were concerned about uh, the politics coming up big differences of opinion. And one of the concerns with their particular family is when this happens, then uh, marijuana use and alcohol become a big part of it. You know, because people are are using these agents to really soothe themselves and try to get through the meal and the day. And so we had to deal with how do you make your house a a substance-free house? They have several individuals who are in recovery. And really, how what'll happens when that's broken? Let's say somebody does, you know, pull out uh, some device and suddenly everybody's involved with it at the table. You know, they had to have a family plan, really, about what to do with this. 
Yeah, I mean, I think having a plan in general is very helpful because then you have a sense of like, okay, if this happens, what can I do instead of feeling like you have to come up with something and it helps you maybe not be so reactive in that moment. I think another big thing that comes up a lot of the times, not just the politics and stuff, is really a lot of questions that touch on the sexual arena. You know, you're not asking somebody about maybe their direct sex lives, but you're asking about, you know, are you dating? anyone? Are you guys going to have babies? Are you, you know, do you have a job? Are you, you know, and I think the way people deal with that is very different. Some people get defensive, some people shut down. And having a plan is really important in terms of how do you want to deal with that? Because I don't think that's the hard thing about psychology is there isn't one clear answer. You know, I know a lot of clients come to me and say, what do I need to do here? And a lot of times we have to explore, what do you feel comfortable doing? What's going to work in the family dynamic that's going on? And I think that's the challenge is if you're not coming up with a plan beforehand, then you're stuck in that moment, just trying to save yourself. And you bring up some of these really tough questions that uh, people are, family members are asked, okay, when are you having that child? And it's brought up in front of a whole group. How do you handle those feelings? And, you know, I think having a line ready or a strategy ready and such as, you know, we're here to give thanks today. This is our special day. And that's a subject that I'll discuss in private away from here or something like that. And there are a lot of snappier answers. I'm not the snappiest answer to these questions. But, you know, I think having something ready, a retort that's on the tip of your tongue to really deflect those questions. Also not to ask them of other people, you know, and I think to have three or four openers ready, you know, is a good one. One can always be about the food. It's a good commentary. People love food. It's not as controversial as the other subjects. And you can bond around food. You know, that's what the first Thanksgiving was about. We bond around food. So I think that that's always a subject. And then maybe talking about other ways people are giving thanks in their lives, uh, you know, what what's involved in that and what we have to be grateful for. Yeah, I think those are some good strategies. I think I think it really comes back to what is your personality. As you said, some people are more snappy, and so come up with a snappy answer. You know, I've had clients I'm counting who, on you for that, Jennifer. I don't know that I'm the snappiest, but I do think that one thing that I know I've done and that my clients have done is I think a lot of times people are asking these questions not because they want to be like nosy and make you feel terrible, but they're just kind of classic questions. Yes. And so it's sort of like the robot, right? And so I talk with my clients about maybe just talk about something else. See if see if you can jar them out of that robotic answer, you know, small talk, I guess you would call it, you know, that one, maybe it just makes you very uncomfortable, especially for introverted people. But I think two, then you don't have to answer. I think that's a big part too, is when you have a plan beforehand, then you also have those boundaries for what do I feel comfortable sharing? What do I not feel comfortable sharing? And so a lot of times it'll just be like deflecting, like, oh, deflecting to the food, deflecting to, oh, what's something really great that happened to you today? You know, and people are like, oh, (laughs) but, you know, I think the thing, too, is how can you move it in a more positive direction? Because studies have definitely shown that when you're interacting with someone in a really positive way, even if you're getting them to talk about something very positive for themselves, 
they associate that with you. So then they associate their connection with you as more positive. And so I think that's one way going back to that sense of agency that you can kind of take control of the situation and and shift to like, let's talk about something more positive, you know. I think you can also bond around activities. And for generations, you know, women have bonded in the kitchen around cooking. I think getting uh, men, both genders, really involved in the cooking process is important. You know, so working on evening out gender abilities and interests around the holiday is super important. So one group isn't watching football the entire time, and the other one doing all the cooking. I think also introducing a physical activity, small walk, or even a game that involves some physical activity in a closed setting is important. You know, so those are ways you can deflect and move out of the conversational mode where there might be an argument taking place. I think the other thing, and this maybe is more complicated, but it's something I really work on with my clients is talking about a lot of times what comes up for them is the the wounding, you know, that a lot for a lot of them, why going home with their family is so challenging is because as a child, they experience some kind of emotional wounding. And so being able to recognize, I think, what it is that comes up for you, then you can have a plan and maybe you can even sort of speak to that child that was hurt and tell them that, you know, it's it's okay that whatever is going on, they have the power to heal them. You know, so, you know, for other people, it's someone treated you poorly or just something happened. And you can tell that child, like, no, you are loved, you are deserving of these things. And I think in a way that's sort of like a protective security blanket for yourself. You know, I think going home to your family, it can be very tough because it brings back a lot of those emotional woundings. And it's really important that you be able to look and see what you can do to heal that. If you can recognize what was hurt in those moments, then I think you're able to feel a bit more whole. I was trying to think of how to explain it, but I think that's what happens with my clients. They talk about some part of them is missing or something is broken. And when you're able to look at that child and say, you know, that wasn't okay what happened to you, and you are worthy of whatever it feels like you weren't in that moment, I think there's a powerful healing that can happen there. Well, the triggers, I think, from the past are really important. And and that's a big thing that I see with my clients. Everybody has three or four bad holidays or tough holidays that they remember. But I think you do remember also that they are in the past you know, and you're in a different holiday setting right now and to push forward with that. But I think often we're can be re-triggered by holidays. So to know what might be a possible re-trigger and part of what you were talking about with those snappy retorts, you know, to be ready for that or ready to take a walk or or ready to maybe turn on some music and start a physical activity. Maybe everybody's going to swing dance, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to change the frame in some way. I think also confiding in a family member you're close to and having a strategy that the two of you will team tag around the holiday is super important. I can remember with my sister, uh, she and I were a year apart, and we would team tag some around the holidays and support each other. That's very important to have a partner who's working with you. Yeah, I think having a sense of support, no matter where it's coming from, is really helpful. 
I think the other thing that I talk about with clients too, and this usually takes a bit more of us having a working relationship, is I talk about control and that a lot of times when we're entering a situation that we're anticipating is going to be negative, what we want to do is control the other person. And so we go in thinking like, oh, you know, if my mom just did this, or if my aunt just did this, if my sister just didn't do this, we would be my brother or whatever, you know, it would be fine. And instead, it's when, when we do that, what we're doing is we're actually really giving away our power to them. And so it's really helping clients to see that you need to focus on on controlling you and what you can do and changing the frame and, and taking it back, taking back that power for yourself. And that has to do with boundaries and stuff. But as I said, I mean, that's a little more complex. So it, I usually talk about it more with clients I've been working with for a while. But a lot of them come back and they say, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of skeptical, but it was really helpful because instead of focusing on what I wish would be different, I was trying to take action and say, okay, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to interact with my mom in this way. I'm going to choose to be different. Yeah. And those are, I think, great strategies to work internally as well as in the group setting. Yeah. This year, and I'm curious what you've encountered around it, Jennifer, a lot of the individuals that I've worked with have suffered sexual abuse and sexual harassment, and many of them are contemplating going back to a holiday setting where there's a harasser present from their past. And this is a kind of sensitive area, but it's something a lot of people are grappling with right now. So I'd be curious about what you've seen with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a common concern that's been coming up. And I think, again, it goes back to those strategies. Who can you align yourself with? How can you come up with an exit plan? How can you, if you need to avoid that person as much as possible, you know, maybe if you're sitting at a long dining table, you try to sit as far away as possible from them. And I think you have to decide how much you're willing to engage or not engage with them and be comfortable with that and that you have to be prepared. What I talk about with clients is that you have to be prepared that people don't like change. And so a lot of times they might pressure you in some ways, either emotionally or sort of physically moving you towards somebody. And I think you have to figure out that plan beforehand. What am I going to do in that situation? And if you're feeling strong enough, hold firm to to where you are. You need to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Well, I've even worked with clients this year and in past years, helping them. Sometimes they have to come at a different time to a holiday party. Yeah. Where they avoid the individual who abused them completely. Right. You know, sometimes they have to FaceTime the party because they actually can't be there. You know, but I think it's worth developing that early plan, particularly around this area of abuse, because um I think everyone's more sensitive to it. I've often hosted Thanksgiving, so I'm aware of of different individuals and things that are going on and really have had to make allowances for them. So I think your host can be a person you can talk to, but you have to consider where the, where they're going to come down in this whole discussion too. 
Well, I think what was hard too is when you were asking me that question, I was thinking about my clients who maybe there has been abuse or there's been harassment in the family and they haven't told anyone. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really big challenges because it becomes, well, is this, I mean, obviously you're not going to tell everyone at the family dinner table, but you know, is is this year going to be the year where you do talk about it? A lot of people still don't. And so then you yes. have to learn to find ways to protect and take care of yourself in that situation because you're still going to be there. And I think you can even have other family members decide they're going to disclose for you at this meal. And that can be a real tough go too. So again, pre-strategizing, looking for support people, knowing your own internal self and wounding and plan and your limits. You know, this isn't a marathon, you know, and there's, you you don't have to be there all day and there's certain limits to the strategy to know your health and to protect it. And that's another big one. I think that's very helpful for clients that are going into something negative is having that sense of an end goal end date where it's like, I'm going to be here for an hour. Okay, I can get through an hour, you know, like being able to psychologically prepare for however long you're going to be there. And if you have to exit, maybe you say, oh, you know, something came up and I have to go and the family just has to deal with the fact that you have to leave. Having been a treater or doctor, you know, and having been at dinners with many doctors, they've always got an out strategy. That patient is calling and they're leaving. But I think we all have to think about that. We could have that out strategy, you know, and really pull out if we have to. Well, I think it goes back to that sense of empowering. You know, I think a lot of times people who are in these situations are trying to not create waves, are trying to just have things go as smooth as possible. And they're thinking about other people and they forget to think about themselves. And so I think that's what makes it so hard during the holidays is because these are your family. You know, if they are treating you not well in that situation, a lot of times people still don't feel they can leave. And so I think working beforehand to to help yourself see that if you're in a negative situation like that, you have a right to leave. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that families have a lot of connections. And even when they're not having the kind of conversations that you and I encourage, you know, even silently, a group of people who are related and close with connections and are watching television or listening to music, they are connected. So there are ways, I think, that we experience these connections without necessarily wounding others. So really learning how to use conversations differently to build more connections. And I think a big part of it is shifting the frame. So a lot of times people feel very on guard. They feel very defensive, like they have to protect themselves. And I think if we can sometimes shift and look at, well, when somebody brings up these questions, for example, asking, you know, are you getting pregnant or are you dating? You know, some of the more quote unquote benign questions. I think being able to look and say, okay, maybe they aren't attacking me. So then it shifts the way you're relating to something. You know, a lot of parents or not a parent, sorry, a lot of my clients are talking about how they go home and their parents will comment on their weight or things like that. And 
you know, obviously that's a very uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. But instead of thinking of it as this person is out to get me, it's like, how can I deflect this? How can I change this conversation? Maybe they're not meaning it in this way. Or maybe they're uncomfortable with that aspect of themselves. And so they're projecting it onto me. That happens a lot, honestly. Yeah. And separating, being able to separate that. You bring up one important point, the weight question, and we see a lot of individuals, you know, women mostly, but some men who struggle about this so-called feast aspect and, you know, working with uh, these individuals at three or four, I was talking to yesterday, really about developing a plan around the food, having a partner help choose and support them around the food, because it can be a difficult struggle for those who have bulimia or disordered eating or even no problem, but food becomes a solution to anxiety in the moment. And so there's a lot, I I think, to think about in that whole area with the food and making it a healthy part two of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think the food can be a challenge. I think it can also be a really positive tool. And so I think, again, it for me, it really comes back to having that pre-strategy. Think about your expectations. Think about how things have gone in the past. What could you do differently? And I think it, it really comes back to, again, that framework, though. Instead of focusing on like, oh, I wish my uncle didn't th- do this, or I wish, you know, my mom wouldn't do this. Focus on what am I going to do when these things happen? And then when you go in with that plan, it doesn't always work out exactly how you want it to, but at least you have that fallback and that can help ease anxiety some too. Yeah. Well, I think we wish all our listeners a very happy set of holidays, but also one where you do try to change some and look at things differently. And uh, conversations are a big part of that, helping us to change. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you.